Welcome to Sportsnet 5.9 in the fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. I bought two big bags of candy from Costco. Proud to say. Yeah. They're still in my possession. I had them for a week. Good just job, one buddy. more day to hold out. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to one up you here, but you know, my my wife and I, when we made a move out to the Burbs, we decided we wanted to be the change we wanted to see in the world. Okay. And there is. You started making your own candy. No, please, no one wants that. <laughs> Honestly, if you get to a door and it's like, oh, here's an apple, I dipped in candy. I think you go to prison. Actually, even if right. it's you're a right. normal, like, yeah, candy and covered while apple. While they're whole tearing you away, you're saying, there's no razor blades in these, uh, yeah, and the cops are saying, doesn't matter. Suspicious. Yeah. No, my wife and I have bought not bags of candy, but boxes of full-sized Are you chocolate bars. Oh, yeah. Make sure. Look. Do you wait. live in a gated community? I do not. I do not. Holy cow. And look, wait till they go on sale. We don't get a ton of trick-or-treaters in oh, my experience. Wow. That, do, you get, do you get peppered by kids? Uh, you know what? If I'm being totally yeah, truthful, so this, this is our, our second. Really, really. Uh, yeah. No, this is our, our, <laughs> our second Halloween at this house. and The palatial like, Ennis estate. No, this is the, the first Halloween in at least a half decade where I haven't been working at night. Ah. So I'll actually be able to participate in the Halloween. So I couldn't tell you. Okay. But yeah, I think we, we got a lot of kids in the yeah, area. Yeah, we didn't. We di- in the first couple Halloweens, I moved there, uh, well, in the thick of COVID. So obviously that year, it didn't get a lot. But the last two years since, uh, we haven't got a ton. So yeah, oh, okay. well, full-size bar action. Yeah, that's smart, man. Yeah. Holy cow. Kids, yeah, they look at your house and yeah, I'm sure you... Right. He must be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> look at that big radio star. Honestly, I'm looking at you a little differently know, now that you've revealed every, this. Every person I tell this to, they're like, do I have to respect <sighs> you? And then they remember just any of the myriad of other facts they know about mm-hmm. me and say, hmm, respect. Too strong, but yeah. I revere, maybe. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, I'm rattled by that, but I I'll know, try and get I through knew, the next three hours I was, of radio. I, I wasn't going to bring it up. I was just going to do what I do every year. Yeah, right. You were yeah. waiting for me to bring it up. No, no. I, I every year post a picture of it on, on oh, Twitter and smart, say, yeah. give me plaudits, people. Come <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. Look at the selection you we know, got here. You know, like the amount of investment you make, oh, it's, it, it comes back in spades. Oh, it's, my goodness. You must have done a cost-benefit analysis and understood that, yeah, okay, what? So it's like a couple extra exactly. bucks to get some chocolate bars, but the amount of, yeah. Yeah, love, attention, plaudits, adoration. Yes. Uh, evil grills from other people in the neighborhood going, mm. what are you doing? Come mm-hmm. on, what are you doing? Full you raise the bar. standard. What are we doing here? Yuck. Oh, good for you. Yeah. All right. So everybody go. You don't have to sound so angry. No, I'm very angry. I can tell. Everybody uh, go buy the Gunning Estate tomorrow night for full size candy. I would love that. Yeah. They're like, oh, you would love (laughs) to have my address. You're you're out of chocolate bars by like quarter to seven. There was a. Okay. So where, when I grew up, there was a guy who, uh, like on one of the streets near where I grew up, he worked for, or it's funny, I don't know if this is true. This is just the rumor in the neighborhood, and now it's canon in my mind that he worked for whoever it is who owns like the Wonka candy stuff, whatever company that is. Oh, his name and, is Willy Wonka. But, okay, you know what I mean, though. And he would literally have on his lawn, <laughs> yes. like, the display you would see in the oh, store, really? and it would be like, pick what you like. Do you want nerds? Do you want this bar? Oh, my and goodness. So, so for me, I'm like, I'm just giving out some bars. They're sometimes sitting in a bowl. It's not that big a yeah. deal, because I remember as a kid seeing the actual, like, from a grocery store display mm-hmm. on someone's lawn. So, for me, it's like, I'll never be that guy. Well... Not yet. <laughs> you're, you're closer uh, to that guy company, than I am. Companies who own candy bars, hit me up if you want me to have a display on my lawn.
All right, very impressive stuff. Thank you. By you. Thank you. Almost equally impressive stuff from the Leafs in their five-game road trip uh, also, over Santos a week and a half. buzzing in my ear and not giving me a buzz of applause of a drop here. So just, uh, I'm a little annoyed. Thank you. You know, we're sitting here. I'm getting plotted. The guys behind the glass yeah. are apparently not that impressed. So we could talk about, you know, the other passion in my life, aside from giving out candy bars, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I just... You were giving me a lot to do, and I know everyone out there in their car was thinking, oh, my goodness, we're so lucky to live on Earth with someone like this, but nothing from behind the glass. So yeah. I, just, I needed my my drop of applause, okay, well, which we now got. Are you not satisfied? Uh, no, I'm good now. Yeah, okay. You want to give it to me the, one more the, time? The only satisfaction you should take, like, the, 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 there's nothing that's going to make your, brighten your day more than the smiles of those children who received the Mr. Big Bar. Who are like, all right. Put the eggs away, boys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Leafs go 3-1-1 one, and one on the season-long five-game roadie. They take seven of ten points. They lose a couple of defensemen along the way. There's some big minute totals. Mm-hmm. Ilya Samsonov doesn't allow a five-on-five goal, so that was good. I don't think he's any closer to retaking the number one job, though. No, 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 no. The number one job? No. He is back to uh, acceptable status. He was swimming. We saw the 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 last couple appearances from him. We read all the quotes, which I don't know. I'm I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. I don't have a big issue with. I'm I have I sometimes think when guys are speaking in a language that isn't their 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 you know first language, sometimes they say things in a much more pointed way than maybe they mean them. Even if he, we take him at one thousand percent face value, I got no problem with the guy being honest, but. He needed to have a game that went like that. You would have liked him to have looked better, but the fact that it's, you know, I know they lose in overtime, so it's three that gets past you, but it's not three on the five shots that it was. And it was not a comfortable outing, but the fact that they were able to get a point out of it, it wasn't disastrous. Everyone could just kind of exhale, give Joe Wall back the net now, but move on, and it's been a, a little, little tiny building block for Samson off there. Yeah, the first uh, O'Reilly power play goal, giving up a couple of power play goals to so the Predators, which I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll get to as well. Yes. It's yeah, the, the number one bugaboo now, because I think we're kind of moving off the Tyler Bertuzzi thing, who's starting to find a little bit of his sea legs with the mm-hmm. Leafs now de facto number one line at five on five with totally William Nylander and John Tavares. By the way, can I put a moratorium on talking about if we're going to talk about William Nylander, like the contract stuff is now, it, it's not part of the conversation, all right? Like, do you agree with me? Because this guy has been the most exciting league player to watch all season long and has the most five-on-five yep. goals on this hockey team, and now he's only one goal back just period of Austin Matthews. He's a team leader in points, and he and John Tavares have had a point in every single game this season. Uh, and, yeah, he's going to get paid, whether it's with the Leafs or, or elsewhere, and and – yeah, that that's going to happen in a number of months. And the mm-hmm. idea that even now he can't reach a contract extension is probably not correct because David Pass it was March, right? Yep. When David Pasternak signed his his big eight year extension with the Boston Bruins. But yeah, there, there's nothing else we can say about the contract. Yeah, it, it's 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 going to be big, and William Nylander expected it to be big, and it's it's growing seemingly with each uh, performance he puts forth. But I, I just want to talk about the guy's performance this year, and, and not in. Uh, dollars and cents terms. Yeah, I think the only I think the only reason to bring up the dollar and cents terms is if you think it can change. And you know, I, I maybe some people have had their opinion of Nylander stamped home by his start to the season. Maybe they thought last year was a a step to becoming this player, and they needed to see it again. Okay, good for you if you needed to see that box mm-hmm. ticked. I was good. I knew what the what the guy looked like. So for me, 
I don't think anything is changing, whether he's a 9-5, a 10, a 10-5, whatever that number is. I don't see it changing much throughout the course of the year. So that's why I'm with you and we can move on. If this was a player who, you know, let's talk about Tyler Bertuzzi. We don't spend any time talking about his next contract because in the grand scheme of things, really, who cares? It's almost certainly not going to be with the Leafs. But if it was a player like that, where there is a wide difference between him at $7 million and him at 5-5 or him at 4-9 on a super long-term deal. That is a conversation work, worth having. But to your point about Nylander, I don't see the number changing. Yeah, if he goes, uh, if he goes, well, let's say a week without a point, that's two or three games, and he's allowed to do that after No, not happened. allowed. If, well, so let's go the other way. What would it have to look like? And I don't expect to see it, and I know no one wants to think about it, but what would it have to look like for you to think that the contract could go the other way? Like, there is no going the other way, I in mean, my a, a catastrophic injury, which is like, for knock sure. on uh, yes, wood please. here. I, I love how I'm like, oh, we can't talk about the contract anymore. You're like, but like, but the contract, like, well, what about no, the I'm just, contract? Here's what I want to do is I want to put a, <laughs> I want to put a bow on this conversation because I'm with you. I yes. don't think it needs to be a weekly referendum on, eh, you know what? Two goals last night, <laughs> 10, 8, 4. We don't need to do that every day. We don't. No. So I'm just trying to set the parameters Dude. here because I think I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Outside of catastrophic injury or what, 20 games without a point, 15 mm-hmm. games, which is not going to happen. Dude, we we haven't even seen the shift, right? No. Like We haven't seen the – and I know – People view this as like overstated that William Nylander was a guy that sometimes is that was just a true yep. part of his game, right? Mm-hmm. And and may still be at times. Certainly hasn't been in the playoffs. He's been a consistent playoff Big performer. Time. And it has been a little bit overstated, but no doubt a, a part of his game. We just have not seen that at all. The consistency of his game. And besides that, the like the the one direction nature of the offense mm-hmm. that it everything is pointed at the net. The number of shots on goal. So I was I was looking at some of the you know, wondering how sustainable this you start did is. Nerd stats? Not even nerd okay. stats, just like shooting percentage. Yep. Of the 12 players with at least six goals this season, he has the lowest shooting percentage yeah. of all of them. Like all these guys who are off to great scoring mm-hmm. starts, they, they shoot a lot of pucks, but yeah, not as many as William Nylander, and he's scoring at a lower rate. Like it is more sustainable what William Nylander is doing offensively this season than a lot of guys who are off to similar offensive starts. Yeah, the and the the other thing I think about Nylander is what did we always say about him when he was far and away the least paid and still is, still on that amazing contract for one more year is, well, if Willie did this every night, he would be a 10 or $11 million yeah, doing, doing, doing every night. So I think we kind of got our answer there. Because that was, I don't know about you, but how many conversations did, did you have about Nylander? I know I had a ton where it was, yeah, I mean, if you get the guy that looks like the 45 goal man every night, then that's what it is. But it's the consistency. It's the lapses. That's what holds him back. And there's been none of that this year. And again, I just, you have to enjoy this while it lasts because, you know, if, if William Nylander is going to be this every night, he's a $13 million guy. And there's going to be, there's going to be a little bubble, a speed wobble at some point in time. He is just oozing confidence right now. The amount of times, and I've gotten more used to him doing this. I feel like he's done this so much more in the past than or than any year I, re- I remember in the past, but where he will gain the zone at five on five and just go, don't like the look of it mm-hmm. and peel it back out to the neutral zone, just knowing full well he's going to be able to g- gain the zone again, no problem. And that is a... 
1% of a 1%, not that he can do it play, but just you can only be feeling yourself to that level for so long. And guys have career years, and hey, he had one last year. If he can build off it with another one. But the point I want to make is that when there is a little dip off of this, because it is not impossible, but so hard to sustain for a full season of this, don't immediately get the pitches or the pitchforks and the axes out and all that. Give, like, let him use the goodwill that he has now built up. Yeah, he's built a ton of equity. I, again, though, I haven't seen the let up yet. No. We're almost through double-digit games. Totally. And we we had the conversation in jest about him being the Leafs' best player. Austin Matthews still required to do way more. Totally. The 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 amount of defensive zone draws that that top line is being required mm-hmm. to take now, too. Like, yeah. And now that he's playing in all... Areas of the special teams uh, being on the penalty kill. Like Austin Matthews is Austin freaking Matthews, okay? And yeah, the the five-on-five scoring really hasn't been there for that top line, which is, yeah, building a little bit. But again, we're early early days in the season. Mitch Marner is off to a kind of uneven start. That whole top line just hasn't found a fit on on left wing. Um, And and Mitch Marner scored 35 goals before. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think we can all agree that, yeah, it's great to be a setup man and to be the incredible passer that Mitch Marner is. Putting the puck in the back of the net is the most valuable skill you can have in all of hockey. I think there's a legitimate conversation about who's more valuable, Mitch Marner or William Nylander. Well, I think the thing with Nylander is that when he is going like this, it is more consistent than even what Marner gives you at his best. Now, the thing that you will mention with Marner that in the past hasn't always been a fair or hasn't always been up to the standard with Nylander is the is stick on pucks, all of that. But just in terms of physical tools, Nylander is more toolsy. He is stronger. He can win more of those battles. Now, I think Marner does a lot of those things still, and I think that that is why a player like him is still giving you a ton of value despite not scoring. But when you're paid like that, you have to find value on top of that with the offense that you need to produce. And Marner is super dynamic, but I think that this fully formed version of Nylander, I think that you need a longer track record before you're going to put him above somebody like Marner who has done what he's done in this league. But so far this season, it's not... Remo- I mean, what if he scores 50 and has 100 points? Then he's then he's a better player than Mitch Marner, and we can have that conversation, which is not... pretty damn close last year, and he's off to a better start. He was. And with Marner, I am... I am the first guy to point out he's never got to 100 points. So mm-hmm. maybe I'm the wrong guy to have the, to kind of take this side of things. But when I when I look at Marner, I still see a player who over the body of his career has been so much more consistent mm-hmm. in giving you what you need. But if you look at the last, I don't know, 100 games, let's just put it there of the 10. And so we have this year, 90, I guess, and the 80 some odd games they each played last year. Yeah, the body of work for Nylander has been better, but... We do still have the, and this is last year, not this year, but we have the lapses where you go, ah, come on, you're killing me with that lack of effort. Oh, you're killing me with the slow change, whatever it is. And you don't see that as much from Marner, but you also see the four puck over the glass penalties in the playoffs from Nylander either. You don't see that, which don't chuckle. It's fair to bring that up. No, we're going to bring up, a, we're going to bring up William Nylander <laughs> dogging it in a shift in February. Yes. I think we should maybe bring that up as well. So it's a fair thing to bring up, but I just think the track record for Marner is so much longer. And that's why people are probably a little hesitant to get there. I shouldn't pit them all against each other. You, yeah. I mean, I'm here. <laughs> I, I am very much here for power <laughs> rankings in fighting of, of the Leafs core four here. You but. know, what's good. Having good good players. They're so the good. Leafs have 
four very good four. They better be good for the amount they're being paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, John Tavares again, same point streak as as William nah, Nylander. Cares, though but... he's old and washed. What's <laughs> no, the point in talking about him? Having a great, great season. I, I will say, watching and this goes back to the Stars game they played last week, but mm-hmm. seeing Pavelski and you know, by no means do I think John Tavares is going to necessarily have the late career run that Pavelski has had here, but does let you dream of just what it can look like. And you see Tavares and again, the idea of a guy who is never a great skater, just staying an okay skater while other people maybe crater off in in that department. It's uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And it's only 33. Okay. Let's take it easy. I know younger than me. I know (laughs) putting him in the grave. Uh, Yeah. Younger than you. Um, But you're young. All right. Um, so that's great. Scoring's great, and yeah, get all the points, and yada yada. You know what's not great? Having the thinnest area of your team get even thinner mm. due to a couple of injuries. That's bad. Uh, so apparently the news was good on Jake McCabe, who, you know, we 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 thought at first it was going to be Sounded super serious, bad. and oh ah, lower body. Leafs are doing this again, by the way. Lower body, upper body. Yeah, obviously, stuff. Brad Shulevich's a hockey man. Yeah. That was our first order of business. No saying elbow in my world, not a chance. Upper body and lower body. And you wonder if Sheldon Keefe got a little bit of a slap on the wrist when he divulged. How dare you? It was a groin injury that Jake McCabe departed 10 seconds into uh, the Dallas Stars game. Anyway, so he's, he's still out. William Lagason. Okay. Uh, he, he's played in the NHL. Sentient Not being. last year, but yeah. <laughs> Sentient being. He's, and I guess, uh, you know, they, they feel comfortable with him playing 10 minutes, even when the <laughs> team is down to five, five defensemen. So he's already with the Toronto Maple Leafs and fairly well, Fraser Minton. Uh, obviously, yeah, his time in the NHL was, was going to come to an end at some point. Yeah. And they were just desperate for bodies. They're even more desperate for bodies now. Like, I don't even know if they can dress a full lineup. If, if in fact, Timothy Lilligren is out for tomorrow's game against the Kings, he may have to do 11 forwards mm-hmm. and, yeah, and 60. Yep. And it's, and I say a roster that's a player short, but maybe. Brent, maybe there's a situation not unlike what we saw last year when Morgan Riley missed 15 games between the end of November and the end of December, where the Leafs put the clamps on. Yep. They went 12-2-1, giving up just over two goals per game. They had three shutouts over that span. Is that they just they took the team defense to another level. But right now, when you're talking about a team that needs a total overhaul on the blue line before the deadline, losing a couple of defensemen, uh, one that's certainly playing in, in the top four and and another guy who's, you know, one of your rare right shot defensemen being out. That's even for a, a short period of time. That's, that's a tough look for this team. It's going to be a tough, uh, it's going to be tough to paper over that. Yeah, it is. You know who you would kill to have walking through that door right now? Not Jamie, but his brother, Jordy Ben. Mm. Like remember Jordy Ben scoring yeah. a huge goal for, for this team Yeah, and they needed it. And it's well, not about, yeah, the they goal. don't even have like the AHL no, depth. That's here. the thing is that, you know, Simone Benoit, I guess he's the guy, but he got sent down to make all of this make sense again. Brendan Pridham, he's finding cushion change in the couch cushions. He's, I oh God, what I'd give for the NFL cap or they go, oh, it's just deferred. Who cares about next year? We'll mm-hmm. figure it out. But that's not the way it works. It all has to, all has to fit, you know, 
know, even a guy at the end of the season last year who had his warts and he was getting into playoff games, Eric Gustafson, not walking through that door. Like the the depth that you have been trying to build up in that part of your team, it's just not here. I mean, even, you know, a guy who got cast away many moons ago, it's like Travis Dermott looked pretty good on that blue line right now. Rasmus Sandin, like when you move these pieces out, it's kind of like, now obviously this is a, we've gotten much lower on the pecking order and the, the least have been able to fill this in, but it's almost like with the Jays and their quad A pitching of, okay, you've lost enough starters. What are you going to do? Are mm-hmm. there any bodies available here? And yes, there are. There were, you know, some guys from camp that, that were filtering through the lineup that Keith was talking about, cooking and guys like that. But it is just not bodies you feel comfortable about. And that's the part I go back to about the Morgan Riley injury and them missing all the defensemen last year. They were still guys who had, you know, some semblance of track record, some semblance of run. Like Jordy Ben played a lot of games in, in the NHL, and he wasn't even the seventh guy. I think he was the eighth D by the by the time he got in uh, at certain at certain points last year. I mean, you had yeah, you, you had Dryden Hunts poking around the bottom of the lineup. Like there's just not that type of depth. And part of it is cap stuff caused by the decision to go out and get Reeves and get Bertuzzi and get Domi and Klingberg. But part of it is also just a little bit of the kind of quad a depth for lack of a better term graduating out yeah it's not great man it's yeah and i think you you make the right comparison to the blue jays because it was okay they had incredible major league talent at the starting pitching position which yeah. is a little bit different okay so that's where the comparison is not equal to the leafs because no. the 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 decor is obviously the the number one area of yeah. need for this leafs team they kill for burritos right but it was Hey, you lose one starter and all of a sudden you got no answers yep. at Triple at A. Hey, Leafs, you lose, I mean, one and then now two defensemen. The idea that you might suffer a couple of injuries on the blue line throughout the course of a season, not shocking, not unprecedented, not unexpected, and you got no answers. And now you're looking at Mark Giordano, who lost five pounds in the offseason to, 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 to better withstand the rigors mm-hmm. of playing, playing 82 games and, and hopefully looking a little bit better in the postseason than he did a season ago. You're asking him to play 20-plus minutes a game in late October? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that that might be – you might be paying the piper later on in the season if you're asking him to play a, a top-four role here. Yeah, and Connor, Connor Timmins is out as well. And again, right. I don't think anybody's yeah. saying, oh, there's the difference maker, mm-hmm. but they've lost a lot of bodies. I mean, I'm just, I just pulled up the games played by this team last year, and obviously some of these you expected to go via free agency. But Justin Hall... 80 games for this team la- last year. Rasmus Sandin, 52. Connor Timmins, 25. Uh, you see Luke Shen. He played 15 games for this team. Jordy Ben played 12. Victor Mete, remember him? He played in 11 games <laughs> for this team last year. Gustafson played in nine. Remember Mac Hollowell, oh, little Mac goodness. Hollowell? He played in six games for this team <laughs> last year, okay? So they had a ton of bodies filtering through. Now, some of it was that they weren't, I'm not going to pretend to do reverse or, or revisionist history on the cap, but I think they weren't so super tight against it that they were able to move around a little bit more easily. Part of that is the issue this year, but also just none of those guys are here. Look at all of the NA, and again, like we can quibble about whether they're NHL defensemen in the sense of 7 8 or real NHL defensemen with a guy like Sandine or something like that, but look at all of those names I listed who are not here. That is basically, albeit a bad one, but that's an entire NHL decor yeah. that you did. And again, be a terrible one, probably be an <laughs> AHL decor. But yeah. the point stands, you lost five, six bodies from a team that was a playoff team last year. It's going to hurt. You're going to have to find ways to backfill.
Yeah, maybe maybe it's not even an issue as far as icing a fully healthy blue line for tomorrow. Like the way it's being now messaged by Sheldon Keefe, like I I, I think it it feels like a distinct possibility. Jake McCabe plays tomorrow, and it and, does. And Timothy Lilligren, same deal. Like yeah. who knows? He left about ten minutes ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it does open your eyes to the possibility if and when they lose, maybe even a more significant piece like mm-hmm. a TJ Brody or a Morgan Riley. What the answers are for this team, I get it. Like any team losing one of its top two defensemen is 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 tough to overcome. But there is just not a nope. lot of minor league depth for for this Leafs team on the blue line. No, either. I mean even like uh, even even the like look at what they have up front. And none of these names excite me. But your Bobby McMahon's, your Abruzzese's, mm-hmm. your Alex Steves, they yeah. don't like. They all play forward in case you're not catching the pattern there. They don't even have those kind of guys. Like right. your replacement Topi, level. Like your Topi Niemelas are not quite there yet from no. my understanding. Guess what? If they were, they'd be there. Yeah. They would love a cheap D on an ELC if they could play. So it's just they they have not had that part of the organization kind of catch up to what's been lost yet. Uh, so a pretty good start for uh, the Leafs. They're obviously still looking up at the top of the Atlantic Division because Shocker. the Boston Bruins. They just, will they, not. They, it's Halloween, they and they will die. not die. No, <laughs> they're playing the role. Why Michael won't Myers. you die? They won't. They don't allow goals uh, unless it's the Anaheim Ducks for whatever reason. Um, Raptors off to an uneven start after that uh, impressive game one victory. A couple of losses. The one down uh, in the quarry at Scotiabank Arena with the rock fights down there. Boy. That Bulls game was uh, something else. Uh, we'll talk they, about... They should both have had players-only meetings after that game. Uh, we'll talk about the Raptors' uneven start and uh, how they look under uh, new head coach Darko Ryakovich and more. Next, as the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Morning show, Sports at 5-9, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Halloween tomorrow. Darko Royakovich, not a warlock, okay? Like, he can't just create something <laughs> out of nothing. So guy, That guy could pull off a Dracula costume, though, let me tell you. <laughs> I just, you said warlock, and immediately I just close my eyes and I... Get that guy a cape, get him some fake teeth. Yeah. A little bit of this <laughs> sound going on. Oh, that's... Yeah, I could see it. Mm. People waking up to hearing that sound through their radio. Tough. Uh, Tough for them. So Good morning. T- yeah, maybe they're, they're, they're passing the ball a little bit more. That's cool. Raptors offense looks very Raptors offense-y. Uh, mm. They are third from the bottom in adjusted offensive rating through three games. It's early days here. And, of course, the, the defense looks great. They're top five team in adjusted defensive rating. But, no, Darko Royakovich is unable to create something out of the same pieces that Nick Nurse had, uh, and uh, welcome back, uh, Nick Nurse got a nice oh, ovation, yeah. as you would expect, For I mean, sure. despite the fact that it was a little awkward, his departure. Like, yeah, yeah. I think the guy's going to be beloved the, here forever. The box in one. I mean, like, for all the talk we have on a every single day basis, even somehow on days they don't play games about Sheldon Keefe's tinkering, it is the most talked about thing in Leafland at all times. The box in one is among the whatever the Jose Barrios decision was on one end of the of the coaching decision spectrum. 
Mm-hmm. The Boxham one is at the at the opposite. Like it is Mount Rushmore of Toronto coaching decisions. I know a weird topic that no one would ever think about, but honestly, like yeah, when we just and the we, reason you're able to do it though is because the the yeah, Warriors course. without Clay Thompson yeah. and Kevin Durant. But yeah, no comment on that. <laughs> smartly able to figure out the Warriors had one way to score, and that was the future Hall of Famers yeah. Steph Curry, and then you know. Let's just focus the, our entire scheme towards the one dude. Good idea. And he still had hey, a shot to, TM, to tie the game hey, in game T, six. TM Nick Nurse. Everyone was calling it a gimmicky schoolyard defense, calling it grade school, whatever. It worked. And, like, yeah, you have to give him credit. And, again, like, the the way it ended, yeah, it's always going to, like, the Kyle Lowry ending was a little awkward. It just wasn't here, so we didn't have, like, as much of a front row seat for it. Yeah. There's, they all organizations are almost never able to perfectly thread the needle on this. So, yeah, of course, it ended a little awkwardly. Hey, Nick Nurse is happy to have a job, too, obviously, in the NBA. But can he have, like, a normal start to a career anywhere? Because remember, like, so he he was Dwayne Casey's assistant. Mm -hmm. Dwayne Casey, coach of the year, summarily dismissed. He takes over before the Kawhi trade, right? Like, expecting – that that was – the first incarnation of, hey, same team, but we're just going to change the head coach, hope mm-hmm. for different results that way. Instead, they go and swing the biggest trade in the history of the franchise, one of the biggest in the history of the sport. And maybe if if you gave Masayu Jiri some sodium pentothal before that, he would have. That's truth serum for everyone who's not a yeah, nerd out there. Yeah, uh, it, you, good you, good clarification. Um he he might have maybe made a different coaching decision than the guy who his biggest track record of success was in the G League and like the British Basketball Association. But it worked out. Yep. And and now he goes to Philadelphia and immediately he has a future Hall of Famer decide that he wants out, hates the general manager mm-hmm. and is not showing up. Actually, did show up. Sorry to the plane and they was like, told to don't. to go away. Anyways, so good to see Nick Nurse uh, fetted nicely in his return to Toronto. Um, that was actually, if, if I'm going, you know, the two losses, the most encouraging moment came in that Sixers game. It was Grady Dick looking yeah. like he, I was dubious about his uh, insertion into this rotation mm-hmm. just from what we saw in the preseason. He was yep. kind of a fringe totally. player on if we're talking about the 10-man rotation that Darko Royakovich was going to to play and you look at the history of, of players selected in and around that range mm-hmm. in the first round, uh, I think if that Sixers game was any indication, he's playing his way into the rotation. The Raptors just need somebody who can score. Again, a team that was one of the 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 toughest look as far as an offensive uh, rating team a season ago, continuing that this season, despite the fact that the three-point shooting has been a little bit elevated than their bottom three mm-hmm. a season ago. If Grady Dick can give them something, anything offensively, he has to be part of the rotation. That's it. It is, can he make his the open shots that he is going to either generate for himself or he's going to get via being set up from screams or off-ball actions, things like that. It's really simple. Like We can sit here and have the conversation about how he can grow as a player or what maybe they can get out of him at this juncture every time he has a look obviously not every time no one's a hundred percent shooter but he's got to make his shots that's what he's there to do if he can create better spacing for this team a team that has no shooting to speak of there is clear a day a role for him on this and the other part of it as well is that this team has some level of expectations you know we've heard them talk about wanting to be in this kind of four or five range there's been sort of talk about that that 
for a team like that, you're going to need to try to unearth something out of this guy because just look on the roster. Where else is the shooting coming from? So I'm not saying he is 1,000% should be a rotation player right now, but for this team with with that skill set that he has, he has to be. No, it's a great point about expectations and what they are for this team because I, I know what my expectations oh, were yeah. for this team. They, they won 41 games a season ago, and they lost their all-star point guard. The, the depth at that position was not improved upon. They went out and got Dennis Schroeder, who's a very capable NBA player. But yeah, Malachi Flynn, you're asking him to take a step forward as far as uh, responsibility. Early returns, not so great on that. I I didn't have high expectations for this team. But you know who did? Mm. The the front office that fired the head coach, brought in a guy who, yes, also has a developmental track record in Darko Royakovic, but they don't have their first-round pick. They acquired a starting center mm-hmm. a season ago. This is a team that does not view this 82-game regular season as a stepping stone towards something. They, they, there's already a ready-made core here, and yeah, okay, Grady Dick is is trying to assert himself as part of a rotation, but yeah, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, who's banged up now as well. Mm-hmm. But, Shocker. But this is, these are guys that have played plenty together. Mm-hmm. So it, you, you can look at this as a developmental season, and there's part of that. And Scotty Barnes still has upward trajectory, but a lot of this is supposed to be ready-made. So the the idea that it's just, you know, you wash your hands of the results uh, over 82 games here, I, I don't think anybody's doing that. They have an NBA all-star and a guy who is all-defense caliber in their walk years. Of course it has to be about this year right now. If it's not about this year, then what are they still doing on this team? And I know that this has been kind of the crux of the issue we've been talking about heading into last season, heading into the deadline. That is what tells you everything about how this team feels, where they're at in their window or competitiveness or anything along those lines. If they felt differently, Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi or both, would not be on this team right now. Like, that just tells you everything you need to know about where this group considers themselves to be. And, you know, for all my quibbles I have with the direction they're taking in terms of building this thing, you're right. When you do have players like that, there is a certain floor that you will ultimately get to. And I don't want to overstate that. I don't think they're going to really make any noise. I don't quite honestly expect them to win a series this year. But... There's the other problem with that is with the top six protected nature of that pick, you're not going to bottom out enough to hold on to it. So, I, how can you look at it as anything other than a year where they want to compete? Just looking looking at those two players alone. Yeah, early returns though. This this looks like hey, expecting different results with with the same pieces there, which I was dubious at the outset. Yeah, and we course. talked to Bobby Webster. And we're like, why should we expect any? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of talk of vibes. Like the vibes are going to be the biggest catalyst for this team. Looking different than the 41-win version of it a season ago. It's so far, well, no, vibes alone aren't enough to, to, to change the fortunes. Well, and honestly, if, you, if you're doing a vibes thing and you want to change it, and I don't, I don't mean this to say that this player is the problem with the vibes or the vibes can't be good with this player because everything you hear about him is that he is just a kind of happy, relatively easygoing guy. But if you want the vibes to really increase and there to be a truly different feel on this team – you have to get Pascal Siakam out of here and you have to 1,000% hand the car keys 
to Scotty Barnes. Look at look at the way he carries himself. And I don't mean this to do a like Pascal versus Scotty thing, but if it is about vibes, mm. there's one guy who's got a huge smile on his face and he's always laughing and he's not taking stuff seriously, maybe when you'd want him to. And to me, that's Scotty. And not to say that Pascal is scowling or anything like that, but if you want to allow Scotty to grow into the fully formed version of himself and all of that, I think that best happens away from Pascal Siakam. And Never mind that. You look at now, apparently OG Ananobi has been, they've turned down a thousand first round picks for him. So who knows what they could get for Pascal. But if you want to, if you want to go that route and surround Scotty Barnes with the right piece to fit for him, that's the thing I keep coming back to. Yeah. It's an encouraging start for, for Scotty Barnes, totally. despite all the turnovers, despite all the curious plays on Friday against the Bulls, which we, maybe we can talk about a little God, bit. What <laughs> happened at the end? I still don't know. I mean, there was, yeah, the screw ups and the, the being unable to inbound the ball three times in the last 20 seconds seconds but there was also man I, I know the narrative has changed a little bit on DeMar DeRozan yeah. and for the better recently totally. after he was the the piece that was sent out of town for God, an all-time player in, in Kawhi Leonard but like he finally <laughs> got his due right like he was people rightly viewed him as a great great um you know, mid-range shooter yeah. and, and great score which he is but boy does it not feel like he's just a fatally flawed player really when he does. misses the three free throws like and including the one at the very like at the buzzer to win the game in regulation, does it not feel like there's just something it really in Demar Derozan that doesn't allow him to to get over the finish line? It really was deja vu because he missed all those free throws and the Raptors lost the game. Like yeah. it actually was <laughs> all over again. I I have such a impossibly big soft spot for Demar Derozan. Any, I mean. You know, after Chris Bosch left and everybody knows about the I got us tweet and for a organization that had players running in the exact opposite direction for that guy to always want to be a part of something. And even for, you know, like it must be stated as flawed as those teams were and they were flawed even if LeBron James wasn't standing there. They ran into a buzzsaw named LeBron and it wouldn't have mattered if DeMar DeRozan was a 10% better basketball player or Kyle Lowry was 20 or 50%. That buzzsaw was just an unassailable thing. So to see DeMar have that moment in it and that way though it is, yeah, how could you not think of anything else that, yeah, we watched a thousand raps games that ended that way. Yeah, to your point about Pascal Siakam though, yeah. So Scotty Barnes, you know, Again, if you're you're taking positives away from the Sixers, I don't know how many positives you can take away from the Bulls game because yeah, that was a sloptastic affair. That, that's that's a victory you gotta have. Um, and the way you lost it is it's tough. It's uh, heartbreaking, and yeah, it, it's something that this Raptors team needs oh to clean my up. God. Sorry, okay, they have the, the I'm looking at it on ESPN site. The like win probability they have a graph yeah. for this throughout the game. And I have, I've, you know, you've seen teams be pretty high up there and end mm-hmm. up ultimately losing, but it's like a slow decline. This is like, uh, you're more of a finance guy than me. It was a bad day on the stock market. Black Monday, was that sure. it? Sure. Where the graph just complete nosedive. Like they went from a 89% chance to winning the game to 50-50 because yeah, they choked it away and had to go to overtime and then ultimately zero. But it's just remarkable seeing it that way. In the NBA you should be able to inbound the ball. You think? Yeah, like that's... Tough ask, I know. And yeah, at least, you know, 
three three times in the final 20 seconds, you should be uh, capable of yeah. getting the ball inbounds and then you know, getting fouled and making you your free throws. A, you have a six foot nine guy who is a gifted passer. That's mm-hmm. like his whole thing. Maybe he should be able to get the ball in. Anywho, so that Friday, there, there's no positives to take away. Saturday on the back end of back-to-backs against a desperate Sixers team that 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 barely lost in the opener, but without James Harden, who needs to get in into the win column. You understand losing that basketball. Oh, they were off to a good offensive start. And I mentioned the Grady Dick of it all, but Scotty Barnes had a great game. He was 11 to 16. But to your point about Pascal, man, it's a huge year for him. Mm-hmm. Like not not just as as far as you know, getting getting back in the W column when it comes to vibes, but actually putting up a statistically great great year. And if he's an All NBA player, is eligible for a supermax extension. Yeah. This is a guy who took eight field goal attempts in a basketball mm-hmm. game. He made three of them, had eleven points. That's one game, but yeah, pretty clearly. The, the, Scotty Barnes is being relied upon for for more offense than than Pascal Siakam. This is a building narrative for a guy that is probably. I mean, if you if you were taking wagers on whether he would be a mm-hmm. Raptor by the end of the season, at the beginning of the season, probably about fifty fifty. But trending in in that direction, and the Raptors are going to be loath to get fair market value for a guy that hasn't at all looked like his best self. No, he he hasn't. And it's always been a question with those two in terms of Barnes and Siakam of how they fit together. But it didn't fit together when there was a more kind of traditional point guard on this team. And not to say that Schroeder's not that, but they've just had him playing off ball more. The ball has been in Barnes' hands more often than it's been in years past. His usage rate is up. And when you look at the way that he plays, not to say that there couldn't be a like big, big pick and roll with Pascal and, and Scotty running it either way, quite frankly, because they're both effective screeners and both effective rollers, but it just doesn't click together. And when you see a guy who operates in all the spaces that Scotty Barnes operates on the floor, those are a lot of spots that Pascal has typically thrived from as well. So it's just always been a fit issue for me with those two together. And that's not to say you couldn't overcome it in the past, but you have to construct the rest of your team and almost a perfect way for those two guys to coexist properly. And I, don't, I say what you will about this Raptors team. I don't think anybody looks at it and says, oh, this is perfectly built. Pascal Siakam is looking for a max extend, uh, max extension. It's three games. Really he hasn't cracked the 20-point barrier. Like, this is, yeah, this, this, guy, twice. <laughs> this is a guy that, that, that wants to be paid like he's a superstar. And I think he understands he's not, like, the top tier of superstar. But, I mean before last season was talking about himself in terms of being a top five player in the NBA hasn't cracked 20 points for a team that's now off to a one and two start that is loath to score a hundred points in a basketball game. Well, and I think this has always been a fair criticism of him that if he is a true lead dog on your team and you know, we can quibble about what that means with how much they're they're I don't want to say forcing, but allowing Scotty to run the offense through him. But if he is going to be your lead dog, if he's going to be your best player, and that's not just about what it means for your team, but it means what other teams are going to do to you when you are the chief guy that is being scouted. And not to say that Pascal hasn't dealt with this in the past. You've been the lead scorer for this Raptors team for a long time. But when other pieces of it start to go away, there's no Fred Van Vliet to game plan for now. And yes, there is a Dennis Schroeder and Scotty Barnes is growing as a player, but it's just different. There's a lot of eyeballs on him. And the other part of it as well is that Siakam is always a guy who, in my opinion at least has kind of struggled with finding 
the right balance. He knows how to play this role where he's getting eight shots a night and he still plays hard and gives you a lot uh, elsewhere on the floor, but he thrives when he is more of kind of volume guy and he's taking a lot of his shots and he can, he can miss two, three, four in a row and not have to worry about it. No, he's going to get more looks. And as the Raptors want Barnes more involved, that's just going to happen less and less. How about this mm. uh, game four of the season tonight against the Portland trail blazers, seven 30 on sports Night five, nine, the fan must win. First must-win game of the season. TM by you? You can tweet it or? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. wait until more people are awake yeah, yeah. after 7 no, o'clock. Not, I, yeah. I don't want to watch you do it. I just <laughs> wanted yeah. to know if it was uh, going to be in public record uh, outside of here. First must-win game is decided by me tonight for the Raptors against a Portland Trailblazers team without Dame Lillard. Um, also tonight on the network, on Sportsnet, you got game three of the World Series as the Arizona Diamondbacks are a Corey Seager two-run ninth-inning homer away from having a 2 nothing series lead as the series shifts to Chase Field for three games. Series all tied up at ones. Gabriel Moreno hits the home run in game two, which ends up being a runaway for, for the Diamondbacks to even the series. And, and what an incredible, like, just emotional bounce back for a team that mm-hmm. I'm sure... Why wouldn't you, when you have a two-run lead in the ninth inning, thought they had that thing won, thought they'd secured themselves of at least the split of those first two games in Texas in game one to to watch it get frittered away, to watch that crowd go absolutely nuts and another Adolis Garcia home run walk-off. Like this, it's one of the most unbelievable postseason runs we've ever seen what Garcia is doing in Texas. To bounce back the very next day, and score a bunch of runs and limit the damage. And Merrill Kelly going full playoff. Merrill Kelly on on the Rangers is impressive. But Moreno hitting yet another home run this postseason. He's got more than half of the home runs he hit all regular season. He's got as many home runs as he hit in all of professional baseball last year when he was still a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. He hit four home runs last year in AAA and the major leagues of baseball. He hit three home runs in Buffalo. He hit one at the major league level. Who knows? Maybe this is just the hot streak of all hot streaks because Gabriel Moreno's going to go back to, to being a, a pretty good hitter for average and a slap hitter and 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 a guy that plays great defense and still an above average uh, as far as a, a, a war player, as, as far as somebody you want on your team is concerned. But maybe what we're seeing here in the last couple of months for him is sustainable. Here's what I'll tell you though. Okay. If this is, if he showed even a small percentage of this throughout the course of his minor league and then brief major league career with the Toronto Blue Jays, they would have asked for more than Dalton Varsho for him. Okay. Yes. He was already regarded as a top 10 prospect in the sport. But if this was a guy that plays upper level defense, hits for average, and then has power upside. Yeah. Yeah, you don't let go of those guys. No, you don't. You know what I've I've been thinking? I've I've been trying to think of what the analogy is for this this Moreno trade. And I don't know if this is it, but we're gonna workshop it live live on air here. Is that you ever been up you're you're having a buddy's weekend or you're up at a cottage and you get a little fire going and everyone's like, Yeah, it's a nice fire. Good job, Todd. You really, really built a nice fire here. And there's always one guy who's like, No, we need more fire needs to be another log on it. Yeah. And I feel like the fire is yeah. the Varsho for Moreno trade. Moreno is that guy who's like, no, more logs. Every time everyone looks around and goes, okay, 
We're good. We're good. I feel the my face is melting. It's good. The trade, it's bad enough already. He's like, I'm going to throw one more log on here. That's what we need to do. Every single time you think, okay, okay surely, surely it can't get any worse. They made the run to the NLCS and all oh, the big bad Phillies are going to send them home. And okay, we really skirted danger here. No, okay, they're going to beat the Phillies. Okay, well, it's the World Series. Surely the, the lights will be too bright in the moment. Well, oh no, he's just going to hit a home run in that moment. Because, of course, he does every single time you hand Moreno a test and you expect him to falter. And not to say that everyone expected him to, but you just say, man, this is a lot. This is a great run he's gone on. He just continues to not blink. And a, I am such a big believer in players having this success at this moment in their career can just turn them into different things. I've worried for a long time, if again, to do the Leafs Jays comparables, that it was being baked in, the losing to that Leafs core. I worry that that is happening and not that it's happened and set in stone, but is happening with the Jays. And when you see it on the other side of things, Gabriel Moreno is just a serial winner now, forever, kind of. I mean, it's going to take what, two? Because if he's... If he just goes over in a bunch of postseasons, that's probably not going to bode very well for the Diamondbacks. So if he has two series where he struggles at the plate, all of a sudden he's not a killer anymore. No, I, I bet he still is. Now, so once you've established yourself as somebody who comes yeah. through in the in those kind of like moments. society, once you're a murderer, you're a murderer. <laughs> that's exactly right. He murders baseballs. Uh, seven home runs for Gabriel Moreno in the 111 games he played during the regular season for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Again, one in the 25 that he played for the Blue Jays. In, uh, in 73 plate appearances, 380 plate we'll appearances. We'll always have that. We can think back fondly. <laughs> 380 plate appearances for Moreno in Arizona during the regular season. Again, seven home runs. He's played 14 postseason games now. 14 postseason games, and he has four home runs. He has 57 plate appearances. He has four home runs. So I don't <laughs> – like maybe this is – who know, and, and maybe it has something to do with the baseball. But Major oh. League Baseball is always, always messing around with the baseball. Like, I mean, let's, I w- let's irk Toronto with special Moreno balls. I, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, I do wonder about, you know, Blue Jays hitting at home this season a year after the offense looked a lot different at home against the Yankees. where the, Yeah, well, no, but the Aaron Judge baseball. Like, yes. there have no, been no, studies. true about Aaron Judge's 60-plus home runs uh, a season ago and how different the baseballs were in every single Yankees game. So, I don't know. I, I, like, I haven't quite put on the tinfoil hat in that regard. Yeah, or maybe this Major is League a- Baseball definitely cares just as much about the D-backs as they well, do Aaron Judge. No, but they, they do care about <laughs> offense being yes, okay, I'll presentable give you that. I'll give in the postseason. I'll give you that. And, and it has been. And there have been some incredible moments. I mean, game one of the World Series was up there amongst the best that we've seen this season. But, yeah, again, like if this is – if Gabriel Moreno was a guy that showed that 20 home runs was possible as well as hitting 300 and the defense we know is always going to be there, that is like that's, – that's an MVP-type player. Yeah, you would have traded him for Mike Trout is what you would have done. <laughs> Joe Maurer won an MVP. Yes. Playing that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's you don't give up those players. And not to say that the Blue Jays didn't expect him to be great. Everybody knew he would be great, but not with the Homer stuff. The here's, Homer stuff, nobody expected. Here's a real question for you, and I guess maybe the answer is they these guys don't care about public perception, so it's zero. But the trade is done. There's nothing you can do to get it back. What asset or what level of asset would the Blue Jays front office be willing to give up to just have made the Diamondbacks just lose or follow the playoffs on the last day of the regular season and this playoff run never happens? It's not nothing. 
Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're not giving up Tiedemann for that, yeah. <laughs> but it's higher than you think in terms of just if yeah. we could. We have come on here, or at least myself, every every Friday I say to myself, okay, surely that'll be the end of the run. And they are still playing baseball, and he is still doing incredible things. It's remarkable that we have had these, this conversation pretty much every Monday for a month straight now. Yeah, I'd love to tell you about a game that yeah, Gabriel Moreno looked uh, like not one of the but best even when young he does players that, in baseball. But when but, he does that, it's just he does it again a couple days later where he does look like the best young player in baseball. Mm-hmm. It's, God. Ah. We'll Great see what, trade, though. Our we'll, show. We'll see what he does against the future Hall of Famer, Max Scherzer, tonight. Game three after 8 o'clock on Sportsnet. When we come back, get back into the Leafs, who uh, return home after taking 7 to 10 points on their five-game road trip. They've got the L.A. Kings tomorrow. We'll talk to our pal Gord Stelic as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.